Stop. Commercial time. Hey, friends. So do y'all remember how we decided together that 2022 would be our year? Our year to be selfish? The year that we start finally taking the steps necessary to get our financial lives together. Y'all remember that? Well, I decided to get my financial life together by opening up my first investment account and investing in the stock market. Now, all I have to do is actually learn how to invest. (laughs) And I hope you'll join me. My good friend and season one guest, top 100 financial advisor and founder of Building Bread, Kevin Matthews has put together an easy to understand, easy to follow set of resources for newbie investors just like us called the Investor's Toolkit. The Investor's Toolkit is a seven module course designed to guide us step by step through our stock market investing journey. We need this friends. Well, if you're ready to stop talking about it and be about it, click the link in my show notes to access the Building Bread Investor's Toolkit. And if you use the link in the notes, you'll also get a special sugar-free discount. Y'all know I'm gonna take care of you friends, right? Good. Now back to the show. Everybody deserves luxury, right? But we also deserve to build a legacy and to build wealth and to be comfortable financially where we're not stressed. And now you're listening to the Sugar Free Podcast. Welcome to the tea party, friends. Now tell me, girl, how you like your tea. You know it's sugar free. Now tell me, girl, how you like your tea. Up in here, we like it sugar free. Come through, stop by, get up with me. With your girl sitting back, I'm a little crazy. Ooh, right here with me. It's where you wanna be. Wanna be. Let's get it sugar. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Sugar Free Podcast. Can y'all believe it? Can y'all believe that we have already made it to the end of February? Doesn't it feel like just yesterday we were setting our goals for 2022 and trying to figure out what we was going to do with ourselves this year? Doesn't it feel like that was just yesterday? For y'all, I don't know, but for me, it definitely feels like it was just yesterday. (laughs) Like tomorrow is literally March mind blown that also means that today marks the end of black history month (laughs) i know we didn't really talk about black history month at the top of the month but that's because i and you know what let me let me stop let me stop i would like to formally apologize to the ancestors for my failures on this black history month Okay, because I did not even mention it. Right. But I guess for me, it's my goal to normalize the celebration of black history and black culture every day. Okay, we ain't waiting for February no more. All right. Black History Month is a celebration every day. Every day we are celebrating black excellence, black joy 
and black genius, okay? Every day at the Sugar Free Podcast. But so as not to let the entire month pass without some acknowledgement of the wonder that is black people and black excellence, I got two things for y'all, all right? So first of all, can we celebrate and acknowledge that this past week, President Joe Biden, also known lovingly as Uncle Joe, nominated the first black woman to the Supreme Court of the United States. Yes. Let us take a moment to honor the honorable, okay, Miss Katanji Brown Jackson. Snaps, friends. Snaps, 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 snaps. Okay, let's just take a moment to recognize the black girl magic that is Justice Jackson. Okay, we will refer to her from here on out as Justice Jackson. I put some respect on that woman's name. Okay, so some fun facts about Justice Jackson. Justice Jackson graduated magna cum laude from Harvard Law School and served as an editor of the Harvard Law Review. She was a Supreme Court clerk to her predecessor, Justice Breyers, and she was a public defender. She will be the first former public defender to sit on the Supreme Court. Okay, look, let that sink in. She also was vice chair of the U.S. Sentencing Commission, a U.S. District Court judge, and a U.S. Court of Appeals judge. Just let that sink in for a moment, okay? Now listen, most Supreme Court judges, and I say most because there's exceptions to every rule, are very qualified to do their jobs. But look, y'all, if platinum credentials was a person, that person would be Justice Katanji Brown Jackson, okay? So let's go on ahead and honor this woman and give her her flowers right now Today, you get an official sugar-free podcast. You go, girl. I I know that's right. And so to help us honor her and the ancestors and give Black History Month all the respect it deserves, I have prepared a very special rendition of the Black National Anthem, Lift every voice and sing. I so if you know the words, please sing along. Take out your hymnal. If you are not familiar, then just enjoy the smooth sound of lift every voice and sing. Lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring. Ring with the harmonies of liberty. Let our rejoicing rise high as the listening skies. Let it resound loud as the rolling sea. Sing a song. Full of the faith that the dark past has taught us. Sing 
song full of the hope that the present has brought us facing the rising sun of our new day begun let us march on till victory is won yay claps y'all claps for me claps for me claps for me okay just so much black excellence at the tea party this week. It just has me alight, on fire. Yes. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Enough of that, enough of that. Now that the celebration is out the way, let's get into this week's shining example of black girl magic and black excellence, Miss Tremaine Wills. Tremaine is an educator, financial advisor, secure of all bags, our homegirl in our heads, and of course, a graduate of the illustrious Hampton University. Mm, mm, mm. Now y'all know I love a good Hamptonian. Well, Tremaine is here for the second installment of our Making Money Moves series, How to Create a Financial Plan That Works. Now y'all know I love money because money is the key to our financial freedom, freedom of our time, the liberation of our children and future legacies. Money is the key to it all, right? <laughs> and so that's why we need these money tips. And I need all the money tips I can get. And so do you, because I said so. So with that, let's welcome Tremaine to the tea party. Welcome, 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 Tremaine. Please tell the good people who you are and what you do. Yes. Um, hello, everyone. My name is Tremaine Wills. I am a financial planner and an investment advisor. My firm is Mind Over Money. Um, I am a Hamptonian. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. I'm representing. <laughs> um, so shout out to the real HU. Um, what else? I mean, I guess we're going to dive into this more, but I'm just so yeah. excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me on your platform. Thank you for joining me. I'm so look, I'm so glad to have a Hamptonian here because fortunately or unfortunately, we've had so many Howardians. Is that what you call them? No idea. I just call them the other H people. <laughs> I've had too many Howardians. I needed to balance it out this season with some Hamptonians. So we are so happy to have another Hamptonian here and a black woman business owner. We are here to get this information and to support you, girl. Thank you. Yes. So I am so happy to have you here myself personally, selfishly, because I'm always trying to level up my financial situation. So last season we had Kevin on and I revealed that I had no money saved for retirement. Right. That's okay. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. But but this doesn't include my like what do you call it? Your, my emergency savings mm -hmm. now or anything like that, but just strictly for retirement. But considering that most Americans don't even have $400 saved, I felt like I'm in the majority. <laughs> Listen, you're, you're not the worst <laughs> off, right? It could always be better, but you're, you're right. Most of us don't even have that 400. So 
Right. So that's why you're here to get us together and help us to get these financial plans together. So before we get into the thick of the conversation, um, can you start by maybe telling us how you got into financial planning and then we'll we'll get into it. Yes. Well, okay. Since it, this is sugar-free, right? Um, all the way. <laughs> let me take it all the way back to the very, very beginning. I come from very, very humble beginnings. Um, I was raised by a single parent who frequently asked me, um, do I have money for these things that I want? Especially the McDonald's, right? Do you have McDonald's money? So I'm familiar <laughs> with no, right? When, when I wanted to have certain things. And so that led me on this chase to find the money. Where is the money, okay? Um, and so at a very young age, I started braiding hair. I was like, look, she's going to keep asking me, do I got McDonald's money? And one day the answer is going to be yes. Yes, I do. Okay? <laughs> now these kids are more advanced. It's like Chick-fil-A money, right? They step Right? Up. Yes, that Chipotle um, money. <laughs> okay, right? But for us, right, it was McDonald's, right? So I, um, I learned how to braid hair and I was 12 at the time. And so this was my first hustle, right? Yes. I know how money. I want these things. How many heads I got to do to generate this income? And so I learned quickly how to make money. But what yes. I know how to do was how to save it or how to make it multiply. And so after graduating from Hampton, I realized, okay, I'm about to be making all this money, right? I'm a first generation. Yes. Making all like, the money. To, right. <laughs> all the money. Right. Um, so I was like, I need to figure out like how this thing works. And so I took a job with PNC Investments as a financial specialist. I got my securities licenses, all the fancy stuff, right? And very quickly, I learned that I hated sales, right? My mm. job was to convince the retail branch customers that they needed to move their investments with PNC. Nice and salesy, right? All they cared about was the widgets. And I like people. I like talking. I like building relationships. I care a lot. I come from a community-oriented, like, that's our background. We, we, we're a service family. Yeah. And so not with the whole just transactional aspect of that position and so I quit so I came back home I was like I'm gonna teach about financial literacy and I'm gonna save the hood and so I started hosting these classes let me tell you how these classes was so empty oh, no. <laughs> the classes was so empty and I quickly learned that okay um talking about money is not sexy when people don't have it mm. right and so I had to pivot so I went into the classroom. I was still doing some financial consulting on the side, helping people with their budgets, things like that. Very, very basic and elementary things. And so I taught in the classroom for a couple of years to kind of just navigate what I was going to do. And eventually I got ballsy enough. I put on my big girl draws and I said, okay, I'm this firm. I don't know anybody who has an investment advisory company. I don't know any black financial planners, but this is about to be me. Um, the end of 2019, I found a resource, XY Planning Network, that helped me get legal, right? We became legit, registered, and then it was March 4th or March 6th. Um, I got my letter from the state that says I was registered, I can do business, right? And this was 2020. And so a couple of days later, <laughs> the governor says um, everything shut down, right? Yeah. So for those of you who remember, yeah. Uh, March of last year was the onset of the pandemic. 
I think everybody remembers. <laughs> yeah. So I had just started this business. I'm like, oh my goodness, what did I do? Yeah. It was a time where everybody was thinking about, okay, what do I do, right? Um, things I hadn't had to think about before. Am I going to lose my job? Am I okay? And I started to get clients in the midst of that. Yes. So I like, okay, I did the right thing, right? So um, all those years of experience of consulting and coaching and kind of helping at the ground level prepared me for making sure people didn't talk themselves off the ledge and selling all their investments, right, um, of this season now. So that's a long story, but that's how I got into this space, this making sure I was bringing financial literacy to our communities and having to be more relational, not this you know, take the top 1% from their advisors, but really focusing on us because nobody's really out here trying to serve us. Yes. Yes. I love that. That is such a great story. Yes. (laughs) I love that you took a chance on yourself and God came through. Okay. (laughs) Listen. Mm. Okay, baby. Yes. And I'm so glad that business is doing well. So to get us started with this conversation, I normally like to come to the table for or with a definition about kind of what we're talking about today. Um, But I am not the expert on this at all. So I'm going to be relying upon you to get us together. So today we're discussing financial planning, financial plans, what should be in them? How can we plan for our future? Because I think someone once said that if we don't have a plan, then we are going to plan to fail. And so Mm -hmm. I feel like finances is one of those places where most of us just are just kind of making it up as we go, stumbling, backing up into some good things and fumbling and stumbling into some bad things. And I'm sure that we could probably reduce a lot of the stress and mess if we had a plan, myself included. I, I'm trying, I'm getting my life together, but I don't know that I have a concrete plan or goals per se, other than keep my butt off the curb. <laughs> so if you can get us started by giving us a definition of what a financial plan is, I think that will give us a solid foundation and framework for this conversation. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm a very touchy-feely, like save the world type person. I don't know if you guys can tell that, right? So my definition of a financial plan is a roadmap for your finances that brings your dreams to life, right? It is directions for the income, the assets that you have that allows you to live your best life, right? It's just a step-by-step, this is what I need to do in order to achieve the things I want to achieve, right? And so it can sound really intimidating when we think about like, oh, I have to put this money in these accounts and I can't do this and I can't do that when really money is just energy, right? We're just directing it to do the things we want it to do. And a financial plan tells that any energy, that money where to go. Okay, so- follow-up question. Do I need to make a certain amount to have a plan? Like, or like, is there a threshold limit? Because I know for myself and I'm sure others have felt at times in my life and career, like, I just don't even know if I make enough to have a plan. Yeah. Right. So (laughs) anyone can have a plan. Now, obviously we can't all hire someone, right. 
it, it costs to get professional service, but that doesn't stop you from creating a plan for yourself. So if you sit down and you think about, okay, well, what do I want my money to do, right? We know that at some point we don't want to have to work again. So we need to figure out well, how much does that cost, right? That's when people are talking about retirement. So for many people our age, we're not really thinking about retirement. We're just thinking about how can I be free? How can I not have to clock in and where can I do whatever I want to do when I want to do it right and so thinking about how much does that cost and how can I generate enough money to cover that cost right so that piece um thinking about how to reduce the amount of taxes you're going to pay right because if you make money yeah I pay taxes (laughs) but you can leverage different vehicles and strategies to reduce that taxable income to keep more of it for yourself right? So that's part of the plan. Also thinking about how to make more money, right? So oftentimes we think about budgets and different things like that. And it's always what expenses can I cut, right? Mm -hmm. But you know, there's only so much you can cut until you get to a point where cutting just cuts into your quality of life. And so if we think about, well, every year, most employers give them some type of cost of living um, raise, but you want to outpace the cost of living raise, outpace inflation, and just increase your capacity to grow wealth. That doesn't happen if you're not strategic about earning more income. So we need to have some sort of income plan, right? Be intentional about making more money. Okay. So I, I love that you ended with intent because I feel like most people's relationship with money, like is emotional mm-hmm. All <laughs> and, <of us. laughs> and the decisions that we make about even whether or not to have a plan are largely dependent upon our emotional state, our upbringing, you know, like how you described your first foray into saving the hood and the hood didn't show up. <laughs> there was probably some emotional baggage tied into so before we even get to a plan I feel like mindset is important so I want us to get our minds in there like what tips do you have for us for us to get our minds in the right place and to kind of define our emotional relationship with money go to therapy oh Um, and I know that's very blunt right but Money touches every aspect of our lives, right? Whether we believe that we can have something, if we think we are, you know, if we value ourselves enough to invest in ourselves. And that that doesn't just mean like, you know, investing in the stock market or whatever that may be, investing in our health, investing in our appearance, investing in like our education, right? And so the way that we spend money is connected to how we feel about ourselves. And so if I am overcompensating to make up for some void, I probably need to figure out, you know, why do I feel this way? And the spending is covering up a deeper problem usually. And so if I don't address that root, it doesn't matter how much money I make, right? It doesn't solve the fact that I'm squandering away money doing things that don't serve me because there's something about me that I don't believe I deserve to attain wealth. And so I'm going to be, I'm going to be, you know, counterproductive until I figure this thing out. And so, and I can say this bluntly like this, because I was a retail therapy, like I was in the stores buying things as a financial specialist, right? So I knew better, but I, I had this hurt that I was trying to cover with shopping, 
right? And so, you know, I deserve, right? I mean- But you do, girl, you do deserve. You you do, and this is not to say don't spend the money, okay? This is not me saying you can't have nice things. That is not the case. Everybody deserves luxury, right? But we also deserve to build a legacy and to build wealth and to be comfortable financially where we're not stressed at Mm. all. There's a piece that comes with not worrying about paycheck, not worrying about if you can say goodbye to that toxic workplace, like a piece that comes with all of those things, right? But sometimes we can't get there if we aren't willing to do the work to figure out why we're blocking ourselves. Mm, That was deep. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're, you're right though. I think everybody does want to feel like they have the freedom um, to move how they want to move and money is the key to freedom for most people. All right. So first we need to go to therapy. That's step one. (laughs) (laughs) And so once we've gone to therapy uh, and we come back to you and we're actually ready to go, what is the first step that we need to take to create our financial plan? Yes. You have to have some goals, honey. Right. So many people will say like, oh, I want a million dollars. Okay. Why? Right. Because the million dollars itself doesn't mean anything. It's what you want to do with the million dollars, right? If that goal is, well, I want to retire my mom that has purpose, you're going to work a little bit harder to stick with that goal versus just having some arbitrary number in your bank account. It doesn't really matter. The motivation behind why you do what you do is more important than whatever the goal is. So having very, very clear reasons as to why. Um, you have the financial goals that you have will help you stick to the plan because change is hard, right? It go from, you know, just swiping whenever you feel like it to, oh, snap, I got to put two grand in this account trip right now. Like (laughs) that's a tough change when you're used to just doing whatever you want. So the reason why you want to reach the goal has to be more compelling than your reason to keep doing what you did. So you need very, very clear goals. Okay. So I'm really horrible at setting goals for my money. (laughs) I think that's part of the reason why I don't have a plan. Do you have like any baseline or common goals that maybe we can borrow if we haven't identified some of our own yet? Yeah, yeah. That's really good, right? Um, So the first one would be identify what your financial security like I don't like to call it an emergency fund, right? Because that sounds so sad, right? But like your financial peace fund, your financial security. How much money do you need to have set aside so that you can feel calm and not worried, right? For some people, they are about the grind. They understand that they are able to make money. So it doesn't bother them if they only have $5,000 saved. Other people are like, that's it? That's (laughs) it? Oh, no, 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 no. I need that balance to be 50,000, right? And so for every person, it's different, right? So if you don't have that security, that comfort, that that deep peace that I'm going to be fine regardless, no matter what happens, because if I need to shut down and disappear for six months, the money is there, right? You want to have that kind of goal in place to start. Um, The next one is to identify what are things that are important to you, right? And so 
For some people, it's travel. Gotta have a travel fund. If travel is something that you love, you need to put that in your budget and put that in your spending plan and finance it because you value it. Your money, whether you like it or not, is going to go to the things that you value. And so you look at your transactions right now in your bank account and your credit cards and you see what you've been spending money on, it'll tell you what you value. Okay, well, I guess I value tacos and Thai food. (laughs) Well, it's not so much the tacos and Thai food, it's the convenience of the experience, right? Because you didn't have to prepare it. Oftentimes, are you enjoying that with friends? Um, lately, no, but historically, yes. <laughs> right. So, so it's not so much that so I've, I've had a lot of people that are like, I spend all my money on food. Well, also think about what is spending that money on food doing for you? Is it saving you time so that you don't have to prepare food? Is it, it could be filling some sort of void, right? Maybe you're an emotional eater, right? Or that could be the only time you get to spend with friends because all we have is the dinner hour. Everybody's off work. Anything else is like not feasible, right? So sometimes there are underlying reasons why we do the things that we do, but somewhere in there, it shows you what you value about where that dollar is going. Okay. So we need to set our goals based on what's important to us, um, whatever that may be. And so outside of the goals, like, are there different sections of a financial plan and like that, that must be included in a financial plan, like taxes, debt, income like like what are those different components that comprise a standard or a solid a comprehensive financial plan yeah yeah so (laughs) a a really good financial plan is going to have some sort of budget right for your day-to-day expenses letting you know where your money's being directed it'll have an overall annual view of where the money's going it'll have an understanding of, okay, how am I paying down debt or leveraging debt, right? Because not all debt is bad. This is not to say you have to pay off every single debt that you have, no, right? Um, It'll have a plan for financing education if you have children. It'll have a plan for retirement. It'll have an estate plan. It'll have tax strategy. It will have, what am I missing? Insurance. Insurance. So insurance is also part of estate planning. And when I talk about estate planning, I really just mean when the inevitable happens, what happens to your assets, right? How does that get passed down to the next generation or not the next generation? Whatever you want to happen to those assets, right? We want to tell our stuff what to do even when we go, right? Right, right, <laughs> we work right. Hard for it. So we don't want the state to say um, what happens to those assets. Gotcha. Okay, so I want to go back to what you mentioned about debt, because I know that that's a huge topic of conversation, (laughs) especially (laughs) when we're talking about um, student loan debt and all of that. So help help us with that. So what can you start by telling us what is good debt and what is Mm. bad debt? And then I want to ask about leveraging because I leveraging debt because that's something that I'm definitely not as familiar with but let's start with what is good debt and bad debt yeah so good debt versus bad debt right uh, I'm I like to make up my own definitions but really any type of debt that has a plan a return on the debt right is good in my eyes right so let's break it down even simpler when I purchase a home if I 
a mortgage, there is a return on that. I'm getting a property. Ideally, that property will appreciate in value. It's not something that I'm just squandering away, right? At the very least, it'll give you a roof over your head. That part, right? <laughs> um, now, bad debt is money that I'm borrowing for something I don't have a plan for. So I use my credit card to buy Ivy Park release. What is the return on that purchase? Happiness. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Okay, right? (laughs) You could have been happy a different way. But right, so like things that I don't have a specific reason for leveraging that debt for tend to be that debt. Most of your credit card purchases, if I consume it, before I'm able to pay off the debt, it's normally bad debt, right? So if I'm making a whole bunch of swipes, buying things, groceries on a credit card, the groceries gonna be gone before I can pay off the credit card bill, bad debt. Mm, that's a good analogy. So, so if on the other side though, if I can pay it off before I consume the groceries, it's okay. Right, because <laughs> if I'm buying groceries on my credit card, right? The groceries are probably gonna go bad within a month. My credit card is not going to accumulate interest before that month is over. So I'm paying it off within the time period before it earns interest. If I'm leveraging my credit card like that, I'm doing pretty good because I'm probably earning some rewards points on it, maybe some travel perks, right? So that's not to say not to use credit. That's Mm -hmm. to understand that if I use it, understand the cost and to use it to my benefit and not just splurge because I have access to it. Gotcha. Okay. So that's a good segue into this leveraging. So what, what is leveraging debt first of all, and then how do we use it for our benefit? Yeah. So leverage is another way of saying OPM, which is other people's money. What like OPP or no. <laughs> <laughs> not quite OPP, but OPM, that's other people's money, right? So I am using other people's money to my benefit. So for example, one of the reasons why I do not tell people to pay off their low interest student loans or low interest mortgages or low interest car notes quickly is because I can use that cash to invest at a higher return, right? So some people will say, you gotta be debt-free, pay everything off. I disagree, the math says different right? The math says, if I can use this OPM, use other people's money at a 4% interest rate, and then use my money and get a 6, 8, 12, depends on what you're using it for return, that is a smart leverage because the spread is my profit. I might wait, be- wait, so hold on. So when you say Sorry. 6, 8, 12 return, like what, what is 6, 8, 12, like what is that? <laughs> Right. So if I am paying like percent, is that percent? Yeah. yeah. So okay. if I'm paying 4% okay. on a note, right? Let's say that's the rate on my mortgage, 4% interest. That's how much it's cost me to, to borrow that money. Right. But I'm able to invest that same amount and earn a 6% return or 8% return or a 10% return, right? I'm making more than what it's costing me to use. Right other people's money. That's what leverage is, right? The original intent of credit was to be able to do that, was to make money off of other people's money. Most of us are using credit as an extension of our capital. Why are you attacking me, girl? I'm not attacking you. I'm saying (laughs) 
I'm look, I'm speaking from experience, y'all. So listen, I I'm I'm, I'm yelling at me too. I'm yelling at me. I can tell y'all this stuff because I did it. And I'm like, oh, this was wrong. I was I was all the right wrong. You know how you be you know better. You already know better. Um, but so this was me too, right? Until I sat down, I was like, oh no, we can't do this no more, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but that is the game, that's the real game. When we get that's why we want good credit. Not because we want a house. Like, yes, you want a house, right? But you really want good credit. So you can have 20, 30, $50,000 credit card lines and take that out. Maybe you start a business. Maybe you buy another asset, right? And borrow that money cheap and make more money off of it. That's the real game, right? When we get past the using money to buy things that don't make us any money. At the end of the day, all of our dollars should be deployed to do a return for something. It doesn't necessarily have to be making money, but it should bring something back to me. Does it bring me good health, right? I might invest in a gym, invest in better food, right? So the returns can be different, but ultimately every dollar has a job. And what do we do when we have bad employees? Fire them. Fire them, right? <laughs> so when I when my dollars aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, they need to get fired and kicked off that job. So those dollars that are being wasted, we got to kick them off the job, make them do something better and work harder for me so that I don't have to work. I'm trying to retire tomorrow. Amen. <laughs> me too, girl. <laughs> tomorrow. But I can't do that if all my dollar employees aren't doing their job. So I have to be a really good boss and be like, oh, no, nah, get back in line. This is your job. This is your job description. <laughs> this is what I expect from you. And if you're not doing that, let me redirect. So that's what we do. Good stewards of our finances make sure that the returns are happening the way they're supposed to gotcha okay so I want to back up a little bit so you said don't pay off the low interest debt like what's a low interest rate for a debt or different kinds of debts right so this this all depends right credit cards have the highest interest rates so if I have any credit card debt I want those paid off, right? That can be almost 30% interest, right? And we we don't have to go over the math right now, but that's a lot. I don't want paying 30% interest off. So I want to I want to get rid of that. That's not the kind of debt I'm trying to keep in leverage. Now, when I have student loans, sometimes there are student loans that I need to have paid off. If I'm paying more than seven, eight percent on my student loans, I do want to get rid of those. Right. But if I have some of those lower interest rates, maybe I got lucky, I got a four, maybe even five percent, you might be able to hang on to that. Right. Now there is some gray area that's six, six and a half. That's kind of a toss-up, depending on how aggressive you invest in the returns that you are expecting. It might, it might uh, balance itself out where you would have made the same if you would invested it or not. Right. So some of this stuff really depends on the person, but generally. If I have interest rates 4%, 5% or below, me, I'm not rushing to pay those off. But seven, eight, nine, anything up there and above, they gotta go. It's too high. So with that, can we apply that to like a car loan? Is that a, a good litmus test for that as well? So car loans, if you have really great credit and depending on when you bought it, you also should be low, two, three, 4%. Um, is pushing it at this at this stage in time um but this also depends on how good your credit is right um when i have really good credit 
and I got a nice stable job, I might be able to get, you know, one and a half to two and a half percent, but it also depends on the institution um, and, you know, how long I've had a relationship with them, right? So, but interest rates above five, six percent on car notes, that's high. And so you have to find out why, right? If you got it at the time where your credit score wasn't above a 750 and now it is, consider refinancing. Gotcha. Okay. So I know you said that 30% was a high interest rate for a credit card, but what's a good interest rate for a credit yeah, card? Yeah. So some places are giving as low eight, nine, 10%, right? So you got to think credit cards, most of them, right, are unsecured debt. There's nothing that the bank or the credit union can come to you and take <laughs> if you don't right. pay them. So right. that so, has, as opposed to a house, which is secured right. debt. And so the loan is attached to the house itself, which Correct. serves as co collateral. So if you default, they're going to take the house. But if you they default are. on those credit cards, then they ain't got nothing but your credit report to mess up. Right. Boom. Okay. So, so I just wanted to make sure we, everyone was clear about Yes, that. yes, yes, yes. So unsecured debt in general is going to carry a higher interest rate because there's a there's more risk for the lender. Um, there's nothing that they could come take from you, right? Um, and you mentioned foreclosure. That's actually how I got my first house. It was a foreclosure. Mm -hmm. Bye. But <laughs> sorry to that man. I'm so sorry. But, <laughs> but we thank you. But we thank we you. Do. Yes, we do. Thank you. Um, but, but that's the difference. Unsecured debt is going to have a higher interest rate because there's nothing for the lender to take back if you don't pay. Secured debt will tend to have a lower interest rate. And you're going to see this when you're comparing different vehicles that you can use. If there is collateral that you can put up, oftentimes you're able to lower your interest rate because now you have skin in the game as well. Most people are not intentionally borrowing money so that they can lose stuff, right? So um, anytime you can put up collateral, that helps with getting lower interest rates. Gotcha. Okay, so then... And you may, or I don't know if you know this one, but what's a good interest rate for student loan debt? Um, and how do we start tackling that? Is okay. <laughs> so there's two different types of student loans, right? We have federal and then we have private. Private student loans tend to have higher interest rates. Also, the time period when you got your student loan also matters too. So while I was at Hampton, I have four different interest rates on my student loans. Wow. Yeah. So some of them are as low as four and a half percent. And another one is like 6.8. And I'm like, well, wait a minute now. Why? <laughs> the difference, right. And so those kind of things matter, right? When you purchased it, the type of loan it is, is it subsidized, unsubsidized, right? And so all this you want to take into consideration. Now, when you think about refinancing your student loans, if it's federal or private, those are big things to consider. If I refinance federal student loans into private debt, I can lose some of the benefits that might come from that. So if I'm in a public service um, and I have any shot at getting that public service forgiveness, I do not want to refinance. And I want to think about, okay, what other options are available? Um, can I get on an income-driven repayment plan? Things like that, instead of refinancing out of the type of loan that it is and moving over to private, because then I lose that benefit. So 
Gotcha. Look to see what all the options are that are available is going to be incredibly um, beneficial to make sure that you're making the right choice. Gotcha. So, because I know this is like on so many people's minds. So do you apply those same principles um, that you have discussed with tackling other areas of our finances in terms of leveraging debt and credit and all that do you apply that to student loans as well in terms of if it's like low four percent interest rate keep it hold on to it and save your cash versus paying it all down like or is there another um, method that you recommend for tackling that debt because I know a lot of people are like should I pay it off you know first? Should I just put all my money there? I remember a friend asking me like, I'm, I'm not going to put no money in my 401k. I'm going to just divert all my money to the student loan so I could, so I could pay it off quicker. Or, you know, like I, I know that some people's tactics for like same for paying off a car, like I'm going to just put all my extra income there. Is, is that a preferred method or should we like, you know, be a little bit more diverse than where we're yeah. our yeah, portfolio? This yeah. is a really good question. So one thing I would recommend is identify all the debt that you have and all the interest rates that you have, right? Try as much as possible to remove the emotion about debt, right? Sometimes we want to pay off debt because it feels bad to owe people. We just don't like feeling that feeling. And for, for many of us, if I can't have peace until I pay that thing off, then the math does not matter. I can tell you that you will be able to invest and grow your portfolio by $200,000 more if you stick to this. But if emotionally you just can't get past the fact that you owe someone and the math does not help you, then if that's gonna make you feel better, then that's what's gonna make you feel better, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I say this like the math will tell you if it is, higher interest, I need to pay it off. And I need to just be okay with having this four, 5% interest and take my time on it because I'm getting a high return investing my cash somewhere else. So long story or to that, to that question, <laughs> yeah, let the math do the math. Right. But I get it. Right. We're very, very emotional. And sometimes it's like, they still email me. I do not want to see Sally May or Ted <laughs> Long or Navian, or I don't want to see no more emails from them, right? But the math, <laughs> the math is math, the math don't lie. Yeah. And this is also not to say that it has to be one or the other, right? I can invest while I'm paying off debt. It just, there is always a give and take. If I want to invest more, I only have so much money. So that means I have to pay down my debt at a slower rate. But if I am gung-ho on getting that debt paid off, well, then I'll divert more of my attention to paying off the debt. But understand that I'm losing some of that opportunity to grow my portfolio to pay the debt off. So it's give and take, right? I can't have, mm -hmm. if all I have is $1,000 left and the choice is, some of it has to go somewhere. I can't put a thousand in both places. So I have to decide, you know, what is most important to me? Is it most important to do mathematically what makes the most sense? Or is it most important to get this emotional weight off me? Whew, that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> because 
<laughs> you know, and some of us ain't that good in our math. So, you know, we may be doing our math a little bit, you know, wrong anyway. <laughs> Look, y'all, there's plenty of calculators. Bankrate has one, Smart Asset. Um, and I can send over these resources if y'all need them. But yes, get this stuff out on Excel spreadsheets if you want. I'm a nerd, so I will. <laughs> Um, there's places, resources you can use to just see, you know, what would it look like if I did this instead of this, right? And that's part of planning, right? Figuring out what makes the most sense for you. Now with the credit cards though, those are ones that you want to pay off aggressively because it is compounding so fast. The same way that our investment accounts, the compounding interest can build it quickly. That's how that credit card balance is building rapidly. And I experienced that myself. In my early 20s, uh, going across the street to TJ Maxx, getting <laughs> <laughs> off work, just, oh, I need this blazer. You do not need every blazer in all the colors. You don't, right? But I racked up, you know, what, what was that card's limit? $9,000? At TJ Maxx, who spends $9,000? Okay, listen. <laughs> okay. No judgment at the sugar-free party. No, and, and, but this is why I'm able to have these conversations because I get it. I understand. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes you can't coach people through what you haven't been through. And because I know, like, I know what you're going through. So it's easy to say, I know they, they put that minimum payment. It's all big. And then the, the, the size two font of how much accruing is below. (laughs) I can't even read that. But, but this payment's only $72 this month. I can afford that. Right. That's how they get us. They do. They do. You know who else be getting me? Kate Spade. Every time she'd be like, ooh, girl, are you to freeze some, some money on the credit card? Sam, <laughs> she be stalking me. <laughs> she be and stalking me. don't let them me. add a limit increase. Oh, girl. That used to happen to me at the worst time. Like, a what? $7,000 line increase? <laughs> Right, Black Friday. (laughs) And I used to beat myself up about it because I I worked in this space. I should know better, right? I should know better. But sometimes just knowing better is not enough to do better. Yeah. We have the information, but until we connect why we must change to the information that we have, it doesn't matter. Like I had <laughs> I had a thrift savings plan, which is the government's version of a 401k. Do you know mm. I cashed thing out and went shopping? Mm. A financial planner, that's an advisor now. <laughs> I cashed out my TSP to go shopping. So like, I, I, I hope that it will bring this, this wall of, I don't want to be shamed. I don't want to yeah. be did down because I think that's why so many of us don't get help because we don't want anybody telling us well shouldn't have done that I know I shouldn't have done it <laughs> so help me fix it right, what we do now. <laughs> <laughs> right? so I'm, and that's why I'm hoping like my my background brings to this space because I I don't know no white man that mm. can come with this type of story right mm. and make me feel comfortable enough to say okay, I did this, this, and this, and not look at me. Yeah. If I come to me and say that, I'm like, you know what? I understand. Yeah. Yeah. And and also I think 
so much of what we know about money in terms of like education, we inherit it. We inherit it from our parents, from our family members, because it's not necessarily something we learn in school. And so I think a bad relationship with money is a generational curse. Mm -hmm. And so I love that your response to how we deal with our emotional ties to money is therapy, because we probably the same reason why we got that trash boyfriend is probably the same reason why we can't get our finances together. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's all connected. It's all connected. And I, I don't say this to say that like, we're all monolith, right? That every black woman's experience is the same. That is not what I'm saying at all. But I am saying that there are some underlying conditions that hurdles that we face that not everybody can, they don't get, right? Sometimes you have to live through that stuff to to see it and to to recognize, like, I see you, sis. Yes. Yes. I'm so glad that you see us. So we're coming up to the end of the conversation. And so before I let you go, I, in, in addition to a good therapist, if you have a name and a number, you can slide us. Uh, what are some other tools or resources that you recommend uh, that we can use to create a financial plan? Or if you know of mm-hmm. some good low interest credit cards that we could take advantage of, or what, what are your financial savings life planning hacks give us give us all of it (laughs) yes okay so the the best plan is simple right so sometimes we think it has to be all complicated it don't got to be all that so if you are somebody who has accounts at lots of different places I'm going to challenge you to consolidate and get organized I love ally a-l-l-y okay their colors are white and purple um what do they, they do? They are, say it again. What, what do they do? Ally is a bank. They also have investing. They have, um, it's an online um, online bank. So there's no brick and mortar location that you can go to, but they do offer high yield savings accounts. Um, so better than you're going to get at the Bank of America, the Wells Fargo's, um, the Truist, Chase, any of those, right? Um, when you say high yield, like high what, yield savings. what does that mean? And then like, what is a good interest rate for that? Okay. So in this rate, right. Um, <laughs> high yield means earning better interest than competitors, right? So at your bank of America or chase or wherever you bank, that is like your regular down the street bank. Um, you're probably not getting more than you know, 0.02, to 0.03, 0.04% on your account. Now, allies savings accounts right now are somewhere around 0.45%. So before panorama, right? <laughs> um, you could get like 1%, 1.5, almost 2%. But in this environment, everything's low. So that high yield is relative to what the interest rate um levels are right now so still higher than your bank um but not as high as it will be once we get out of this rate environment so high yield savings is higher than average um savings rates they also have no account minimums um they also got a rid of overdraft fees now listen i'm listening girl listen <laughs> i'm here if you have struggled with overdraft charges, insufficient funds fees, go to Ally, open your account, and start over and do better, 
right? Mm. And they're FDIC insured and all that? They, have, they are FDIC insured, up to $250,000. Yes, that's Earth what I like title, to hear. <laughs> right? Yes, we love Ally. Um, but that, for me, solidified why I love them so much, right? Mm. Banks make trillions off of overdraft fees. Mm. And normally, that's off the backs of people who already don't have the money. Ooh. If I had $36... I wouldn't overdraft my account, right? right? And so you're if you're in a place where you're trying to correct behaviors and you know sometimes you slip, you didn't catch it, it can be like a kick in the gut to get an overdraft fee when you're trying, right? So that's they're not paying me for this, y'all. So <laughs> I, just, I just actually like ally. So that's one of the places that I recommend um, for banking um, for those of us who are looking for something, um, somewhere to go. Um, other resources that you can use. Um, I forgot what else you asked me about. Um, just like credit, credit cards, if you know any oh. like low interest ones or anything that we can put in our financial plan, if we're going to do it on our own. Yes. So, okay. So credit cards, here's the thing. The best place to get a credit card, if you don't have one already is from an institution where you already have a relationship. Um, they are going to be more willing to take a chance on you than just some rando that has never seen you before. There is a bank system called Checks that lets all the financial institutions know your financial history. So if I open an account somewhere, um, so let's say I open an account at Bank of America, Bank of America decided to close the account because I overdrafted it and I never paid them back. That information will be in the check system, kind of like your report, but it's a different type of report. So you can't be out here thinking you're getting away with not paying these back, right? So um, <laughs> don't try to run, guys. We just do what you got to do. But yeah, so any mm. bank that you have a relationship with already, credit unions tend to be more lenient than banks. So if you have a relationship with the credit union, I would go there to try to get a credit card or to try to get a credit card increase. Navy Federal. Mm. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, you got you to know somebody <laughs> to get into Navy Federal, but Navy Federal is that girl, okay? Navy mm. Federal. So they you know are, somebody, <laughs> can you put their information in the chat, girl? <laughs> <laughs> Call if, you, if you got somebody, blink once. <laughs> Oh, that was too many blinks, but <laughs> David Federal is excellent. Um, they are relatively lenient with their credit card terms. So that would be my, if I got to name one. Like <laughs> okay. And then like, how do we like, like, uh, like just a Excel spreadsheet or are there apps or something that we can use to try to get our information organized? Any that you recommend or just pen um, and paper it? Okay, so you need a budget. I love you need a budget. It's a app that you can use to pull everything together. And that's what it's called. You need a budget. Yes, it's called okay. you need a budget. Um, it is not free. So I, let me say that, but it is worth it. Um, I have lots of clients that leverage that as their system. Now, if you're looking for something that is free, Mint, M-I-N-T dot com, they have an app and they have an online version. It connects and integrates with everything. So if you need to put bill reminders in there, 
Um, you can do that. You need to, if you need to sync all of your credit cards, all of your investment accounts, everything can go in there. So that's a really good free version for those who are getting started. I've been singing their praises since, I don't know, 2014, right? But I like men who also is not paying me. So if y'all know anybody, tell them, call me. <laughs> yes, we will tag them in this <laughs> on social media so that they know they have an influencer on tap. <laughs> Yes. Okay. So let's say um, I got my calculator, I got mint, and I still math ain't math ain't because I'm a lawyer and math ain't my thing. It just ain't my ministry. You could give me a calculator all day and I could still end up with the wrong answer. I'm just being honest. So when should or when is it time to ask for help to call in the big guns, call you in, say, hey, I need you? Yeah. So... When you do not feel confident in your next steps, that's when you need to call in help, right? Um, not everybody needs an advisor. If you can get to a place where you know, I have to put this amount of dollars in this place and it'll give me this return and I'll have this outcome, you probably don't need an advisor. But if you get stuck with, oh man, uh, what am I supposed to do? What account is this supposed to go in? Maybe it's time to ask for help. So if you feel like you've tried, you've given your best effort and you just are still lost and you're not clear, if the clarity is not there, it's time to ask for help. We operate in our best self. When we are clear and confident in what we're doing. When mm. we don't have confidence, it becomes intimidated. We make, we are unsure of our next steps and we don't move with, with our best foot forward. Gotcha. So is there like a minimum amount of money I should make before I seek a financial advisor's help or at any income, any salary level is, is okay if I feel like I need help? So these are good questions, right? The average financial plan is about $2,500. If you're the type of person, yeah. Um, <laughs> if you're the type of person that just wants the plan and once you get the information, you can execute it, you'll want to find a fee-only financial planner right? They'll create the plan for you. They won't try to sell you any products or anything like that. You get the plan, you follow, you execute. Now, if you aren't looking for particular investment advice, you can go check out a financial coach, right? Sometimes financial coaches can help coach us through our decisions. We might not need anyone to select our investments, right? Sometimes we just need help organizing our thoughts. That can be an affordable route to go. Or you can look for a comprehensive financial planner like myself um, who has a monthly retainer fee. So I don't charge $2,500, but I'm not free. I do love you. Yes. <laughs> Get your coins, girl. Um, we not mad. Yes. Um, <laughs> we just broke. But <laughs> we are not broke. We just are money adjacent right now. <laughs> adjacent. <laughs> Next to the money. <laughs> but yeah so um finding someone who has maybe a subscription or retainer model where you don't have to come up with all the money up front in order to get that ongoing help that you might need okay well so we like you we want to work with you how we work with you how we find Listen, you okay <laughs> if you want to work with me you can go to mindovermoney.net um tap that contact form we can set up some time to talk I would love to serve you and help you on your journey. So come on. Yes, we would love to have you and we go pay full freight unless you offer us a discount. <laughs>
I mean, there will be a discount because, you know, it's sugar-free. So. Yes. <laughs> thank you so much. I thank you for the discount and thank you for your time and your expertise. This has been fabulous. So before I let you go, we have to do our little sugar-free quickies. Yes. So it's just little short either or questions mm-hmm. and you can give a an explanation if you want to the first question I'm gonna need a little explanation because we don't really know what it is but I'm sure somebody out there has the question so if I am selecting some type of retirement account IRA or Roth IRA y'all gonna be mad at me because all the answers gonna be it depends okay um (laughs) so for 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 my 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 well-off friends that are making well into the six figures um your only option might be a traditional IRA, unless you do a back conversion and put it into a Roth. I like tax advantage, so I'm gonna choose Roth and we're gonna figure out how to get you those tax advantage uh, grows without having to pay any more taxes coins. So if I, I gotta choose, I'm choosing Roth. Okay, so just so we have a, what's the difference between a Roth and a, right? Just so, so we know. It's when the taxes are paid. A traditional IRA, you pay the taxes um, later, right? So it reduces your taxable income now. But when you go to take that money out, Uncle Sam is like, give me my coins, right? He's always there with his hand out. He always right there. (laughs) The Roth IRA is where you pay the taxes now. And then you put the coins in your account and all the interest is yours. All of them. So that's why I like Roth. Right. So we gonna, we gonna go with raw. Like okay, so how we paying our bills with a credit card or cash? I I like I like credit cards because of the rewards points. So I like to get my five percent cash back and then use that to do fun things with. So I choose credit card. Okay, but only if you're paying it back. And otherwise, you just robbing Peter to pay Paul. That is correct. <laughs> and Paul is charging interest. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what would you tackle first? Credit card debt or student loan debt? Credit card debt. Okay, I feel like we learned that today. <laughs> um, and then entrepreneurship or nine to five? Oh, well, um, are you making any money in your entrepreneurial? <laughs> Tell them, girl. <laughs> listen, I, I like the nine to five life. That's, that's a nice check right there, right? But for me, I'm going to pick entrepreneur. Yeah, I feel that. That's, that's a real honest answer. And so I've asked this question before, but yeah, you know, sometimes it can be over glamorized. So I'm, I'm glad you gave both perspectives on that. Um, and the last one is passion or money. Ooh, do I have bills? <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> so, oh, this is hard. Mm. <laughs> take, take your time, girl. Take your time. <laughs> I don't know how much time we got though. So I, I'm going to choose passion. Okay. Only. Because I'm at a time in my life where I can be very, very selfish. I have no dependents, no spouse. And so if I need to sell everything and go live in a box, I can and I will. 
Yes, you're you're in the enlightened phase, your thirties. <laughs> You've hit the enlightenment. Selfishness yes. is my word of the year. <laughs> yes. It's an act of self care. I am mad at you, girl. Well, thank you so much again for joining us. This has been absolutely amazing. I feel like I have all the tools that I need to really get myself together. It don't mean I will, but I got the tools now. Don't tell me that now. <laughs> I don't have an excuse now. <laughs> Look, I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. But we are so glad that you dropped all these gems. What are your social handles in case we want to follow you on social media? Yes, Tremaine Wills everywhere. Like Visa. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Everywhere you want to be. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you, Tremaine, for joining us. And we hope that you will join us again next week for another great episode, plenty of real talk, and of course, plenty of the most exquisite tea that's 100% sugar-free. Woo chow. Mm-hmm. What a show. We shared some good old tea today, didn't we, friend? Thank you for your presence. I truly enjoyed you at the tea party. And we appreciate you sipping on some sugar-free tea. With me, your host, Sid Mack. Until next time, be sure to connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Sugar Free Podcast or at Sugar Free Pod. You can also visit our website at www.sugarfreepodcast.com. See you again soon, friends. And be sure to keep the tea party going, a With plenty of tea that's 100% sugar-free. Meet small business owner, Mackenzie Nicole. Mackenzie's business is growing and she needs forms and templates to legally protect her business from clients, partners, and employees. But she's low on cash and needs to find forms and templates that are legally binding and comprehensive, yet affordable. Not knowing where to find such forms and templates, Mackenzie was stressed until she found Formally Forms, the one-stop DIY legal shop for small business owners, side hustlers, and entrepreneurs. All Formally Forms are affordable, easy to use, and expertly drafted by a licensed business attorney and reviewed by a law professor. So what are you waiting for? Be like Mackenzie and get your Formally Form or template today.